I'm Stuart Brand. This seminar about long-term thinking is brought to you by the Long Now Foundation. If you would like to see high-quality videos of the talks in the series, including this one, they are available online for Long Now members at longnow.org. Uh, I started my, uh, my career as a photographer back in the Netherlands, where I grew up, and um, I began to photograph in a city park in Rotterdam, where I was a student at the time, um, doing moody pictures of the Four Seasons and writing haikus to go with them. And um, that was in the early uh, 1970s. And then I didn't really get into you know, uh, wildlife photography until after I'd moved to California, and that was in the late 70s. Um, I'd completed an education in uh, environmental economics. I was very interested in ecosystem services. It was a very novel concept at the time. And uh, came to UCSC to study environmental impact planning. Uh, but you know, the West Coast has a lot to offer, as we all know, and um, I really became more interested in a photographic career than in uh, pursuing EIRs and EISs, which are just big reports with lots of data in them. So here's an early image when I was pursuing elephant seals at Año Nuevo, and it led to interesting images. Um, and then the world got bigger and bigger, and I started doing assignment work for the geographic. This is a, an, an on-location shot from field work I did in the Okavango Delta in Botswana. And the, uh, the encounters got a little bit more intense. Um, uh, hippo not happy with my presence. And yet I w my thinking and my, and my photography yeah, has undergone a, a steady change in development since those early days. Yeah, at first I was interested in wildlife photographing animals one at a time. And then gradually I realized that uh, you know, through the power of media and applications of photography that I could reach out to a heck of a lot of people. And I began to look at animals as ambassadors for ecosystems. And uh, here's two images that uh, give a wider perspective. The previous one was a wandering albatross on South Georgia Island. And this is an image from a project I did on Madagascar. Uh, where all these lemurs live. And um, so my thinking grew along with the perspectives of scientists and, and conservationists. And um, uh, ecosystems were, were replaced as a, as a concept to look at nature with, uh, with the term biodiversity in the mid-1990s. And uh, it was two, three people who thought of that term almost simultaneously. It was uh, Ed Wilson and uh, Tom Lovejoy and somebody else. And uh, biodiversity has been our reigning paradigm for referring to the complexities of life on Earth. It's really more looking at uh, nature as a, as a web of relations rather than counting species by themselves. And the geographic asked me in the late 90s, if I wanted to um, uh, illustrate concepts of biodiversity for a theme issue that the magazine wanted to publish just before we would leave the 20th century and go into the 21st century. So that really forced me to think much more conceptually about nature than I had done before. And here's a couple of images that I made for that assignment. A cloud forest in Peru, uh, where really there's no subject that stands out. It's really about how all these living organisms coexist in the same place. 
the assignment was also about the uh, you know the the ongoing process of exploration and discovery. Uh, this fellow uh, studies catadids, uh, tropical grasshoppers, and he's literally in the act of you know, touching a new species that had not been described yet, and he knew because he knows them all. I do a lot of research for these, for these assignments and independent projects, and uh, I'd learned that these horseshoe crabs have an amazing life history. They've been around for hundreds of millions of years. This is a, um, a photo I made in a museum in of a, of a fossilized horseshoe crab, 150 million years old, and it looks exactly like modern crabs. And I had that you know, knowledge in the back of my head one evening when uh, I was there at the tide line. This is one of these spring tide evenings, and thousands of crabs came out of the water, and then the light faded. Uh, all references to modern New Jersey disappeared, and I realized I wasn't looking at the present anymore. I was looking at the Silurian. I was looking at an era when the very first animals were just making their way out of the water. And that's how long these crabs have been around. And uh, after I made this image, I thought, hmm, that's an interesting idea. Uh, looking at the present, but seeing the past. And, um, and that's when the idea for this project was born. I thought, well, if I could visualize the past in New Jersey, uh, what might I be able to do if I start researching other locations? And, um, and that became the start for this journey through time. This image really symbolizes you know, the, 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 the beginnings of life. All the key ingredients are, are there. There's, there's energy from the sun, there's warm water, there's a substrate, and there's a very interesting mix of minerals and other ingredients. So the story of life is, is of course, is made up of you know, big leaps, um, you know, innovations, and then there are periods of consolidation and um, big thinkers like Stephen Jay Gould and um, Niles Eldridge kind of summed it all up in the theory of punctuated equilibrium, but you know, that's their terminology. I think more simplistically in terms of innovation, you know, where are the big breaks? Well, when life came out of the water, that was a big break, and that's um, symbolized by this image, um, the tracks of a giant sea reptile. Big dudes, leatherbacks, biggest of all living sea turtles, the most ancient ones as well, and they really look like sea monsters. When you sit there on the beach in Suriname and this thing comes out of the water, it really is like an apparition. True land plants arose, leafless at first. This is another big break. Of course, in water, um, plants can you know, use, use water. They're buoyant. On land, they have to fight against gravity, and the vascular system was a, was a real breakthrough. And um, once plants learn how to do that, once they learn how to stay upright, they grow in size and shape. And uh, the first trees came along, and... Uh, you know, According to geologists, among the first trees were giant club mosses, which are still around in the understory and forest. They're just a couple of inches long, and, and they just lie flatter on, along the ground these days. 
So I wanted to show them as trees, so I had to find some big specimens and uh, made this one look as if it's a real tree. The fundamental forms of ferns followed, bearing spores that foreshadow seeds. And together, ferns and lichens began to cover the earth. On land, life turns tough. Jaws form first, teeth come later. This is a uh, giant tortoise in the Galapagos Islands slumbering in a, in a pool. And in that transition from amphibians to reptiles, of course, we have another innovation with eggs. With, with eggs, life had a chance on land to shelter new life in the making. That's how it broke away from water. And this is all textbook biology, of course, but I'd forgotten all this stuff. And uh, I plunged into it, and to me it was just like revelation after revelation. Oh, that's how it happened. And then, of course, I had to look for images that simplify these complex phenomena. In birds, life gains new mobility. Flamingos cover continents, migrations get on the way. Flamingos, we now know through DNA analysis, were among the very earliest families of birds that evolved. And they haven't really changed that much. Their habitat's been unchanged. The first birds witnessed the emergence of flowering plants. It's a pure coincidence. Birds, the very first birds, have been pinpointed to 150 million years ago. The very first flowering plants are dated to 140 million years ago. So complete coincidence, but yet there's something nice about that because nature gets very lyrical in birds and in flowering plants. So we link them in the, in the book and uh, you know, sometimes birds and flowers can even be made to look like one another. This is a water lily. Sixty-five million years ago, the Earth was fairly complete. There were reptiles, big reptiles on land, in the water, and in the air. There were ecosystems of all kinds, and then something big hit the Earth. And, of course, we all know what that was. That was that asteroid that um, hit planet Earth, and a world vanished in flames. And, you know, this was only discovered... 20, 25 years ago by two scientists from UC Berkeley who at first were ridiculed. Oh, no, it can't be. And uh, most big discoveries take a while before they sink into the world of science. But um, it was not a pleasant time to be here. It was very smoky for a couple of years. Um, when the skies cleared, a new world was born. A world fit for mammals. Mammals had been around, but you know, not really been able to diversify much because they were outcompeted by, uh, by reptiles, or so the conventional wisdom goes. But when the evolutionary slate was wiped clean, mammals had their chance, and um, they owe their success to this innovation, jaws with teeth, teeth that adapt very easily, to different habitat, different needs, and uh, you know, these are the jaws that belong to a giant hedgehog that uh, lived in the Mediterranean in Europe, and uh, it became a huge predator, the size of a fox, in the absence of other predators there. 
but that again is another story. In jungles, new creatures emerge, primates, taking the shape of tarsiers at first. This is a small nocturnal primate with eyes as big as its brain, or maybe I should say brains as small as its eyes. Um, it needs big eyes because it's nocturnal and that's how it finds uh, prey, primarily insects. And you wouldn't even think of this as a primate unless you start looking closely at its hands. Tarsiers at first, lemurs not much later. And it's in lemurs that lem learning became reinforced. Mother started taking babies around on their backs and um, um, longer periods of socializing. Monkeys turn into apes, and then forests dry out once more. Another climate change. This is like the last separation between two pieces of Gondwana. Then Australia um, broke away from Antarctica and South America, drifted off on its own. New currents, new weather patterns, and Africa became much drier and more savannas, fewer forests. And that is when probably just a handful of bands of apes ventured out into the open. We don't know exactly where it occurred, but maybe we'll figure that out in the next decades. And that is when going upright became a lifestyle. These are bonobos. And um, so you can ask yourself the question, who are we in this big story? Are we brothers of masculine chimps? Are we sisters of feminine bonobos? Well, I would say that we are all of them and more because, of course, every living thing on the face of this planet carries within itself the history of what came before. That is the continuity of life on Earth. And um, the one thing that connects us all is, of course, DNA. And um, it's just amazing what we're learning just in the last 10 years from studying DNA and seeing the connections. We are all of them and more. And we're all molded by the same force. And the blood veins in our hands is a cross-section through a human hand photographed in a uh, medical collection. Those blood veins echo the coarse water traces on the earth. And our brains, our celebrated brains, reflect the drainage of a tidal marsh. But it is those brains that make us just a little different. Not as much as we like to think, but just enough that they enable us to imagine us, to imagine a whole earth. The entire animal world today lives on oxygen produced by algae, bacteria, and plants. And their waste is our breath. And our exhalation is their breath. We're connected like water on land is with clouds in the sky. This earth, as I now look at it, is alive as a whole. And it's made its own membrane. 
just like cells did once upon a time. And that membrane is an atmosphere that became a biosphere through the interactions between land, sea and air, energized by all living things, forming a whole that makes this earth different, held together and sustained by the collective power of life. Thank you. This seminar about long-term thinking was brought to you by the Long Now Foundation. Thanks to Fora TV, you can see high-quality videos of the talks online by joining Long Now as a member at longnow.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Stuart Brand.